Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. Uh, I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, and this is the show where, uh, where it's Monday. We're going to be going over some NFL from yesterday, and we do that with James McCool Mondays with McCool from uh, Paydirt DFS, uh, also the co-author with me on the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. If you got any questions, you can always post it in the YouTube chat. Even I, I scroll back, so don't worry about it. So feel free to post whatever you want in the YouTube chat. Give me those thummy thumbs. I'll wave my thumbs at you until I get some thummy thumbs in the morning. It helps us out on this channel. Uh, hit the subscribe button if you're new here, the notification bell to know when we go live. So James, uh, I I my my best my best day in NFL this season. Ooh, uh, yesterday. Uh, not not for GP GPP. I I played 17 lineups. Uh-huh. Uh I I did not do a mass entry build. Oh, uh, I just did power sweeps and spies and the the five the five max thirty three dollar one. I did seventeen of those, uh, seventeen lineups. Uh, cash nine out of seventeen. Okay. I mean, not no sweats or any no nothing. I mean, I had a lot of late game exposure, so it was the type of thing where I don't got Jamar Chase, I don't got Damian Harris, I don't got Terry McLaurin. Uh. I don't know if I could win at all, but I mean, if the stacks in the late games go off, maybe, maybe possibly, yeah. but uh, in cash games uh, on DraftKings, I, I won 93% of my head to heads and on FanDuel, uh, nine, I almost 90, just under 99%. Like I, I lost three head, my only three losing contests out of, I think 600 and something or other were three head to heads. Like Ooh. I was in all the quintuple ups, all the everything. So so from a cash perspective, you know, great day and broke even kind of in GPP uh, because, uh, I mean, and this is with the snowflakes in the running back spots. Right. Uh, so so it was a good it was a good day for me. I, I thought the, I thought the building cash games was quite there were multiple ways to go, but quite straightforward. Mm-hmm. Basically, as long as you got the decision of which pay up wide receiver, right, which was Cooper Cup. You you you, pro- you you probably you probably did okay, and and on Fanduel I did not play Mahomes in cash. He was forty seven percent owned in cash games. I played Lamar Jackson in my build. Uh, was that uh, in hindsight? It, obviously, it ends up being the correct decision. I don't know if it was at the time. I, I I had a choice between playing Lamar Jackson and the Giants defense, put up seventeen points on Fanduel, or Mahomes and the Jets defense. Mm-hmm. And the Jets put up minus three and Mahomes put up eight. So that was essentially the 2v2 that I was considering at the end on, on FanDuel. But, but James, how was, how was your Sunday? Uh, you know, it was pretty good. Um, I did have a sweat. I was, uh, I was 38th in the power sweep with, uh, with a full buck stack going with Foster Moreau and, uh, and Daryl Henderson move, moving on. Uh, Daryl Henderson, the, the dagger was that second Cooper cup touchdown. So if Daryl Henderson gets that instead, you know, jump up probably inside the top 20 and, and with an outside chance, if, uh, if the bucks end up scoring one more time, have an outside chance at it, but Cooper cup, man, he's gritty. Uh, he, uh, he's gritty and, and killed me. So, uh, it was okay. I, I had a lot of exposure to the bucks. I really liked them. Um, I also really liked the Eagles and, and uh, Raiders game, but that one obviously didn't didn't go off uh, the way that I wanted to. But I had a Philadelphia stack with Jalen Hurts, Quez Watkins, and Dallas Godert, bringing it back with Henry Ruggs. I had a Tampa Bay stack 
Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and uh, Chris Godwin with no bring back. And then I had um, a I had a Ram stack, I think. Do I have a Ram stack? I'm pretty sure I had a Ram stack. We'll find out. Because I, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a Ram stack, and I did have Cooper Cup in that one. I had Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby, um, because I wanted to try to leverage the Daryl Henderson chalk. So, uh, I mean. It, it was okay. I only had one of those three cash, but it was top 100 cash. So I made money on the week. That's fine. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It, it was annoying. I'm, I'm tired of getting killed by Cooper Cup, to be honest with you. Well, you have to play him. I said this on Twitter yesterday. I don't think people understand, or maybe they're finally coming around to the fact that, that 2021 Cooper Cup is 2019 Michael Thomas and an extra added bonus. This guy actually gets touchdowns. I mean, right. his target share is 30%. on this Rams offense with how often they pass the ball. And they're not as, as heavy as people think. No. It really depends on the on the, the game state. But they pass a lot, and it's not Goff. It's Stafford, who's a much better quarterback. And, you know, Cooper Cup, it's not just, oh, he magically gets open. No, he's he's – He's, he's similar to Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas was never like a breakout speed guy. He was never, uh, you know, a, a extremely athletic guy. He just someone that's just good at football. And those those 12 yard routes. That, and he he runs Cooper Cup runs like every route. He runs hitch. He runs running back routes. He runs all this stuff that like when I saw 8400 versus Devontae Adams at 8900. Uh, Devontae Adams has a higher target share for his team, mm-hmm. but the team play the Green Bay as an offense plays differently than the Rams play as an offense. So like Devontae Adams is much more valuable in competitive games. While if the Packers are, are ahead, they're more likely to play slow and run the ball. Rams have no problem playing fast and throwing the ball, even when they're up by two touchdowns. Uh, I, I mean, I would not be shocked at uh, at within two or three weeks that Cooper Cup is $10,000. And he would still rate out as someone that's rosterable. Yeah, the the thing with Cooper Cup, and I, I was talking about it in the Discord yesterday, they just, they run routes for him in the red zone. And, like, they put together plays that it's impossible to cover the dude. They run rub routes so that he can't be covered. Like he, that, that second touchdown that he scored, uh, they have ran that play before, but they've ran it with an extra wide receiver over on the side who runs that quick cut, right? He runs that really quick slant and then he blocks off the cornerback while Cooper cup runs in that motion on that little wheel route. They, right. they love that play. It always works. I, I think that play has an hundred percent effectiveness. Cause they can't cover Cooper cup. If they, if they don't cover the guy who is running that quick slant, he's wide open in the middle of the field. Linebackers can't get to him. But if they cover him, Cooper Cup is literally like the safety has to get over the top and catch Cooper Cup before he scores in six yards. And it's like, you can't do anything about it. And they love running those routes for him. Um, they, they had run those routes for Robert Woods in the past, but now it's Cooper Cup running those. And he's just automatic on those as soon as they get within like 10 yards, if they, if they're not running the ball in the red zone, they're running these rubber outs for Cooper cup. And, and it's just so hard to cover him. 
Um, regarding the, the Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup situation, um, I had I had Cooper Cup projected higher in raw points than Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams was 500 more. So I did not, and it was only because I had the it, it was only because the Rams were such massive favorites that they profiled as a team that's going to run more in the second half. So like their pass expectation, if I would have just ran neutral splits on it, if I if I wouldn't have cared about the Vegas stuff, Cooper Cup very likely projects over Devontae Adams. But because I run it in a way where it takes the Vegas info into account and it projects plays based on that spread. Like I had Green Bay projected for 1.92 passing touchdowns and the Rams projected for 2.13, but Devontae Adams has a higher percentage of the touchdown rate for Green Bay individually because we were talking about the team market shares, right? Uh, Devontae Adams has a higher team market share of those touchdowns than um, Cooper Cup does. So I, I had Green Bay for like seven more passing plays. I had the Rams for more rushing than passing in that second half. So I, I just, if, if I wouldn't have adjusted that, then Cooper Cup probably projects better. But one way or another, Cooper Cup versus Vonta Adams, they're getting like the same market share. They're getting the same target share. They are massive, massive, massive monsters on those offenses. And that, that 1v1, I do think they have the same ceiling. I think that they probably are going to have very similar medians moving forward. But that 1v1 is going to kill me at times during this year. So I brought up my, my cash lineup for anyone to see, because there was a strategic decision that I made. This was not the type of thing where, like people ask me in NFL, I mean, even in NBA, like, oh, do you just, oh, you, oh, you click in five seconds and that's it. Like, no, that's not, that's not it. It doesn't take long, but it's not, it's not that it. So the lineup that I played was actually not like optimal based on my aggregate. Uh, and it wasn't optimal in any, any projection set. I mean, it was close. It was within one point. Uh, the key decision of this slate, weirdly enough to me, was Darryl, uh, Darren Waller's availability mm-hmm. in the late game. Uh, I was paying down a tight end regardless. My original lineup, I could have played a lineup with Gazicki at tight end and Bateman at wide receiver. That would have made sense. Yeah. Right. So, and that's a lot. And it was a popular lineup that people played. I, yeah. I looked through the, the contest and I saw that. Uh, what that would do is lock up a tight end spot. I was probably playing Chuba Hubbard in my running back spot. Uh, and I probably would have played something like uh, Cup, Bateman, and some 5K level, uh, and Godwin, and then used another running back in my flex. Uh, I didn't think, uh, I liked the fact that Devontae Parker was inactive, so that upgraded Waddle, that upgraded uh, Gazicki. Uh, the thing is, is that, like, I, I thought it was a priority Number one, to get Godwin and Henderson in. Like, though they had yeah. to be. They were going to be massive chalk. They were the best projected plays. Easy. Block it. Yeah. Uh, I want, my want was Cooper Cup. So paying up there. My problem with Bateman was that unknown. Yes, great. He got, he went six for whatever his last game. But that, I projected that game to be slow. Obviously, the Bengals routed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't want to rely on a $3,400 receiver that could easily give me zero. I would have not have been shocked if he had uh, two two targets, no 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 catches, or you know four targets, three catches, forty two yards, like like some like. Do I need that? I ha- we do we do we have enough options? Yes. So why do I need that? I liked Hunter Renfro 
He projected well even before Waller was ruled out, right? So he was fine at 4,800 because he's a low eight dot receiver. He'll get he'll get eight targets, maybe even 10 in a faster game. I mean, give them to me. I'll just take that at 4,800. And uh, Calvin Ridley to me at 6,600. Uh, we have some questions now on whether or not his, his A dot is as high as it was last season. So his projection may start coming down a little bit. But if you told me last year that you get Calvin Ridley against the Miami for 6,600, like, sign, sign me up. So it's like I could do this middle build and, and not have to worry about playing any other. I don't have to worry about Daryl Williams. Do I play him? Do I play? Uh, obviously, DeAndre Swift was, was viable. I, I would have liked to play Fournette and Godwin, but I was able, wasn't able to do that. So the only way to make this build is by playing a cheap tight end. And I had Cole Komet as my cheap tight end and by playing a cheaper quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and we, uh, my aggregate had Tua and, and Derek Carr projected very well for their price. Yeah. Uh, I thought Stafford was the safest. I thought Lamar Jackson was like the safest because of his rushing. Yeah. Hurts. Safe because of his rushing floor, but he's kind of like a Blake Bortles. So you, you're going to get nervous because his it, it he makes a lot of mistakes. I mean, he he, he has a much lower floor than people think, and he yeah. gets there in garbage time. Yeah. Uh, so if Stafford is safe, but the Stafford there's no difference in Stafford's situation of how the what type of quarterback he is than Tua or Carr. People don't realize that Carr has like one of the top air yards of the entire league at quarterback. And I think people don't realize that with Tua, uh, with Tua in and Waddle and Gazicki playing as a, as not even as a tight end, they throw more to Pat. They, they throw more as running plays. Like they throw Like it's a lot of seven yard passes, three yard passes and yards after the catch that I think Tua, it could be very efficient against the Atlanta defense. And that's, I mean, I'm just explaining the projections. I mean, that's, that's why Carr and Tua projected so well. So if I play Tua, which is not going to be popular in uh, in cash games, I knew I knew that. I knew Tua and Carr wouldn't be. Uh, but I knew Bateman would. Uh, I knew Chuba would, which I would have. Uh, Ridley, I would have in. He was 30% owned in the 250. I would have information. So the information that I would have is, number one, is Waller in or out? Because if Waller is in or out, I just go down from Komet and plug in Foster Moreau. Okay. And I could leave 500 on the table, which is what I did. Now, if I was behind, let's say Bateman put up 26 points, right? Let, let's say Calvin Ridley did a, I mean, he kind of dotted at 12, but I mean, let's say he had four. I can now switch to Moreau and then switch Godwin to Fournette because yep. I have the $500 to go from Godwin to 6,400 Fournette. So that was my thought process of like, if I'm, and then also I could always switch off the Cardinals defense to the Eagles defense because the Cardinals defense would be insanely owned. I could switch off Daryl Henderson, right? Instead of playing Daryl Henderson, I play Fournette there, right? And I play Adam, I play uh, Evans instead of Godwin. Like it gives me just so much more information and the, 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 the projection difference between these lineups is a point. So it's like when in doubt, like do I rely on Bateman's possibly non-existent floor? And I didn't want to play a Moreau lineup that used up all of its salary because if Waller was in, I'd end up getting st- – I'd need to find the 500 to get the call to Met, and I didn't want to be put in that situation. I'm just like, I'll start with Komet, and if I leave 500 on the table, right, 
because I could have played Carr. Like this lineup, actually, from a projection standpoint, was slightly higher projected with Carr because Carr was six thousand, right? So like that's where the five hundred would have went. But it's like I don't have the I don't know that until till right. till before four o'clock. So playing a lineup that is you know is not optimal is not optimal, right? But anything within one point of the top optimal is like statistically. Like, dude, yeah. yeah, play right at, at that point, play whatever you want. But I had a strategic reason to do so because obviously, once Moreau comes into play, this lineup actually projects high. Like, once Waller is deemed out, right, this lineup with Carr is actually becomes the optimal. Like, that's that's the point that I'm making is that, like, if the things happen because Renfro's projection goes up, Moreau's projection definitely goes up and beats Cole, he beats Cole Kabet's projection by a point and a half. He beats Hunter Renfro, moves up two points in projection. Carr's projection actually goes down by a half a point because Waller's efficiency. Right. Uh, but he still projects for a, a little bit more than Tua. So, like, had I knew the information at 4 o'clock that Waller was going to be out, the optimal lineup in my aggregate would have been this lineup with Carr at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, I'm technically playing – the uh, what it is i mean like so like in my aggregate this would have been the top projected play but for a strategic reason the only reason that happened and uh, you know god bless cardi uh because cardi in the in the the blitz chat uh early on because no other site did this uh if you if you subscribe to the blitz cardi's in sunday morning and we were talking about waller like do we project waller in do we project waller out if we project waller in do we project him at hundred percent? Maybe he doesn't play all the snaps. So what do we do there? So Cardi was like, I think he's leaning more on the side of not play, but it's no, like, no, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know. Cause so many people are not in chat that you can't just take Waller out and then have people messing around with projections and it ends up being him in. So I thought the best route was to leave him in until he's actually ruled out, but post in the blitz chat, what the projections would look like, the if-then projections in the chat. So if you wanted to make lineups with Waller out, you could just manually change all the Raiders' projections yourself and then run the lineups or whatever. Yeah. So, like, I knew what Moreau would be projected at. I knew what Renfro would be projected at. I knew what Carr would be projected at. And plugging them in, I could see that this Moreau lineup is much better. A lot of people didn't take advantage of that. I mean, Moreau was 2% owned in the middle. He's five look in the power sweep. He's nothing. Right. We even, but look at the cash games. Giants, uh, $100 double up versus the $5 double up. Moreau was 22% in the $100 double up, 8% in the $5 double up. Right. Cause a lot of people, right. Cause so a lot of sharp people switching. That's not edge. Yep. Right. Switching, switching to essentially, you switch to Darren Waller for $4,000 cheap. Like the Raiders do not change their offense, they use their tight ends a lot. Uh, Derek Carrier is on the IR. They don't got anyone else. Yeah. I mean, Moreau is going, basically, Moreau is going to be running Waller's routes and playing nearly 100% of the snaps. Yeah. I think so, I had him for like nine fantasy points or something, which is great for 2,500. That's right, awesome. No, I, I had, I, uh, the, the Blitz had him for a little over nine, right? Yeah. But in comparison to all the other, I mean, uh, I mean, Gazicki was only projected for like 13 and he's right. 2,000 more expensive. So, I mean, like Moreau was like value city right yeah. there in a tight end spot that if you were paying down, you were just going to play him. Yeah. He's late swap like a red thumb. Right. And I late swap Moreau in a bunch of my lineups 
And some of my lineups, I swapped out of good players because I needed, I mean, like in lineups that I had like a dud Daryl Williams, like it's like, and Henderson, it's like, well, I'm going to switch out Henderson for Woods and Godwin for Evans. So it's like, I got one of them, but I didn't have cup in that lineup. Right. So I did a lot of, I, and a lot of these lineups got there to the cash line, regardless, because I'm playing all the guys that end up, you know, going off to some extent, just not all in the same lineup. My, yeah. my 17 lineups, I played four stacks only. Uh, and that was Stafford, Brady, Carr, and Tua. So essentially, you know, Tua plus Waddle plus Gazicki, yep. optional Ridley Rudd back. Carr plus Ruggs plus Renfro plus Moreau, and then uh, switching out to Moreau yep. if needed. Some swaps. Right, some swaps. Take out Ruggs, put in Moreau, then move Ruggs up to Godwin, right? Like that type of thing. Uh and then uh, with the optional, my, I had Miles Sanders run back. Uh, it's, I, it didn't score that many less points than some of these other running backs anyway. So it's not <laughs> like that big of a deal. Uh, or Devonta Smith or Goddard in yeah. a spot where I didn't have Moreau or something in there. And then obviously the Bradys. The Bradys I didn't have. I think I had one lineup with Mooney as a run back. But most of them were just Brady, Godwin, Evans. Yeah. Brady, Brady, uh, Godwin, Howard, Brady, Fournette, Evans, you know, like something, something like that. And then Stafford, I would play, you know, Stafford, Cop Woods, Stafford, yeah. Stafford, Woods, Higby, that it didn't end up working out well. But it was, uh, I like that though. I right? like that with the other. You're leveraging off the Cooper Cup stuff, right? And you're leveraging Daryl Henderson. Right, exactly. But the thing is, is that if I know, if I knew Cooper Cup was going to be as low owned as I thought, and he wasn't like low owned. But he's much lower on than he should have been. Yeah, I had him, him at twenty one percent. Comes in at sixteen or something like that. Right. I, I I would I would have just left him in all my lineups. Had I known. Yeah. I was expecting him in the higher stake stuff to be thirty plus. Yeah. I knew Henderson would be super super yeah. high. Yeah. But that that kind of my thought process there. Uh, since uh, people want to know as far as uh, the projections, now remember that every week there's always one guy. Yeah. That, okay. So I don't know what that who that guy is going to be. Oh, this this is a fun one. You will literally. Oh, know. okay. So you know already. You already, already know yeah. how you screwed up. Yeah. No, I I already knew. Like as soon as the projection set came in, I was like, oh, this is the guy. Okay. Who's the guy? It's Quez Watkins. Quez Watkins. Yeah. Quez Watkins. What? Yeah. So I had. Okay. Hold hold on. Let me let me go to the Eagles receiver. Okay. Let, okay. Hold on. Hold all right, on. All right. All right. This, this is gonna be fun now. Yeah. He's no, not this even. One, this I mean, he wasn't like, even. This one even I think is off the wall and like is wild, but I know okay, why okay. it so was that way. Just just to get a, a baseline, yeah. Uh, what did you have as the median for Jalen Hurts? Thirty. Thirty. Wow. <laughs> well, that's the well, that's where you're off. I mean, mine was nineteen point four five. Right. So, like I said, I know why Quez Watkins projected the way that he did, and I know yeah. why Jalen Hurts projected the way that he did. So, like, I know what happened. And I don't think that it was necessarily off of my process that I usually have, but it was like a more uh, exceptional outcome than I usually have. Right. So you had Hertz as the highest raw points quarterback right behind Lamar Jackson. I had Lamar Jackson at 31. What? Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Well, well, let's, let's take a look at that at 31. Yeah. Yeah. Let me put this all my, I had Lamar Jackson at 24.88. Okay. Sure. I, but I, I, my, my quarterbacks were Mahomes, Murray, Jackson, Stafford, Brady. Hold on. Carr, Rogers, Tannehill, Tua. I had Tua 
higher projected than Jalen Hurts. Yeah, so I had to. Uh, I had to. Yeah, but, but, but the, 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 hold on. So the only. So basically, you're. If you have Jalen Hurts at thirty. Yeah. I mean, that automatically makes the receipt. I mean, that automatically means that all the other Philadelphia guys are going to be wild. I mean. Yeah, way, way high. What did you have? to? I mean, I had Devonta Smith at 14. You must have had him at near at like 20. Yeah, like 19 or something like that. Dallas Goddard, what did you have in that? Dallas Goddard, I had 12. So how do, I have him at 12. How do you have Dallas Goddard at 12 with Jalen Hurts that high? Because I it's all it's it's all going to Quez Watkins. What was Jalen Rager? Oh, Jalen Rager. I have Jalen Rager as like wide receiver three on that team right now. So I'm at eight and a half. Pretty low. Eight and a half. Okay, but what's Quez Watkins then? Quez Watkins, 18. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're (laughs) I I told you. But that's what you have to know that's wrong. So the reason why it was 18 is because his ADOT and like the kinds of targets he's getting are so much higher than what Jalen Rieger is getting, what Dallas Cordero is getting. So I don't build projections based off specifically the quarterback. I build it off, like, I think the wide receiver owns their ADOT. So I project off of their ADOT. Now, if, if Quez Watkins is coming up, there's no Zach Ertz. I projected a little bit more to the wide receiver core and a little bit away from the tight end. I didn't distribute all of Zach Ertz over to Dallas Goder. So based off of the games where I've seen that they only have one tight end going, Quez Watkins is getting plenty of targets and he's been on the trend up. Now, again, remember, we've talked about my models before of trying to identify things before they are actually a thing. So picking up off the last two games from Quez Watkins he was going to project super duper well. And I knew that he was going to project super well. And he was right there with Devontae Smith. And I think that the main thing that it comes from is my models really, really liked that Philadelphia Las Vegas game because it was a super, super pass heavy environment. So when I reran with the Vegas info and with, uh, with the weighted adjustments to the play calling, um, it just made it supercharged all of Philadelphia Las Vegas. So that game was really, really high on my radar because of that. And so the projections were going to be very, very high for that game in general. And there I, mean, I was yeah. high on that game also, but you can't you, identifying things before they happen means you're you're wrong. Sure. No, <laughs> I, I was mean, wrong there. Yeah. But I mean, that's having an 18 point median projection on Kez Watkins. This isn't like Cortland Sutton situation where it's like I you know, but you have him six have points been. higher, but at least he's Cortland Sutton. It might Dude, have been. Watkins. It might have been. We've seen situations with Philadelphia where those kind of wide receivers find success. Like, yeah, Ranger Fulham last year was insane for, like, five games, and then they just, like, cut him from the practice squad. But that's what it is. It's it's trying to identify these guys before they actually become a thing. Uh, and it was just trying yeah, to identify. 18 is not the 50th percentile outcome on his range of outcomes. Well, you Come say on. that. You say that. But you said that well, about I'm the saying that you're wrong. situation too. And you said it about the Marquise Brown situation before he put up 30 fantasy points. No, no. Marquise Brown, I was fine with. It just, you, you were, we're getting progressively wronger. Going <laughs> no, at, we're not. Like, we when you're three or four points off, I could be like, okay, I could see a situation. But you, when you're 10 points off on the four, third wide receiver on a team, like, you had, had, hold on, hold on. Let me go. <laughs> let me let me go to these wide receiver rankings. Hold on. This right. sound nuts. So, if you have him in eighteen, okay. So, right. uh, 
Cooper Cup, I have number one at wide receiver. Adams, number two. Yeah. Hill, number three. Cool. DJ Moore, number four. Okay. Then I have Godwin. Yeah. Then I have Ridley. Yes. Okay. So right after Ridley, you have Quez Watkins? Well, no, because I didn't have – let's see. I have Ridley at 23. 23 as a median? I have him at 18. I had him as the third highest overall. Okay, I had him in the sixth highest overall. Yeah. So, so, so keep in mind when you're doing this, like, yeah, obviously, Quez Watkins is still like this black sheep. And I acknowledged that before we started this conversation. So, who was, um, who was Quez Watkins higher than? Was he higher than Mike Evans? Was uh, he higher than Terry McLaurin? Was he higher than AJ Brown? Was he higher he was than? Higher than he was higher than Chris, than Chris Godwin. <laughs> then you're just wrong. <laughs> Come on. This is this is this is this has gone on too far. Then you're just wrong. They're not medians then. You could say that they have an increased likelihood of ceiling if you want to say that, but there's no way that is that his outcome ranges are that's the 50th percentile outcome. Projections are subjective, Mr. Sir. Projections. Well, that well, you're not projecting a district, but uh, you're not projecting any type of normally distributed pattern at all. You, you're, yes, that's I am not, based that's on not the baselines that I have. Remember, I don't have the same baselines that Cardi has. Yeah, but you don't have the same baselines as anyone in the world has. That's true. <laughs> That's not that a good thing. That's not a good thing. That's fine. You could be a little higher, a little lower. Okay, I get that. I, I get a little higher, a little lower. But that yeah. was Watkins projected over Chris Godwin. I told you it was a weird wrong. one this week. It's I told you wrong. it was a weird one this week. Yeah, but you were wrong. Just say you were wrong. Something screwed up and you were wrong. I, I said that it was a weird one, and then I acknowledged that it was weird. So how much how many Quez Watkins lineups did you have? I had one. Oh, oh, so you didn't play him in all your lineups? It was my Philadelphia lineup. I would have played him in cash games at that point if he hadn't had a lot. Oh, I'll I would have. Zero, was only what was he? Playing? Okay, hold on. Let, let's take a look. Let's see how, how <laughs> wrong. Let's, he's not even rostered. In, in Quez that. Watkins was, oh, in the giant $5 double up. He's 0.7% owned. Is that, that your lineup? That was me. That was That's my your lineup in the giant $5 <laughs> double up? No, I don't play double ups. Uh, no, I mean. Well, someone, what, one of, someone that uses your model probably has him. I got to find this lineup. Where the hell is this lineup? <laughs> I don't know. There's no way on results DB to go through the in, individual players. No, I could. I, I got it. I got to see this. The $5 double up. Dude, you got to find let's, it. Let, let's look in the Millie. And the Millie is probably owned somewhat. Right, two percent. Okay, but I got to see that giant five dollar double up. Let's see. Hold on. Well, I, hopefully, it's not a not someone that. Well, it's probably someone that didn't catch. We're not going to be able to find it anyway. So let's let's see. Quest <laughs> one. <laughs> it was so funny in the Discord that people were like, "Blunder's head is literally going to explode on air." <laughs> yes, because it's it's wrong. Okay, where's the five dollar? Oh God, there's so many contests. Oh, dude. Uh, find giant. There it is. Five dollar double, double up single entry. Merlin me over here. Okay. Okay. Can we look ownership? Quest. No, I don't think we could. I would have to download the season. Oh, it's one point two percent up in this one. Oh, I know who has them. Yeah, I would have to download the CSV to search because I could look for users, but I can't look sure. for a player in a specific lineup. Sure. I just want to see who the hell it is. Like, do you reckon it's like, is it your mom? Is it your like, like, it like, might be my mom. <laughs> right, it might like, be. My mom does sub to me. 
Uh, let's go through the YouTube chat, see what's going on in there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Frederick, do, do projections put much emphasis on questionable players who do start, who presumably not playing at 100% or have a significant chance of not playing a whole game or an, on a snap count? I'm depends. assuming you do something. It depends on the player, depends on the situation. Yeah. But you I can't mean, just say as a whole in the industry, uh, projections either count someone as 100% or 0%. It, it's all dependent on, on the inputs that you're putting in. That's why it was so big for Cardi beforehand to say, mm -hmm. look, this is what, this is how I'm putting in the inputs. I'm putting in Darren Waller at 75% snap count, which increases Moreau a little, increases the guys a little. I'm going to leave it at that. Mm -hmm. But here are the projections if he's out. But some people may have been like, no, I'm putting Darren Waller for his full load mm -hmm. and until shown otherwise. So you, you need to, if you don't, if you're doing your own projections, this is what you'd be doing. Yeah. You, but you but really James, to... do, you, do, you, do you make if then stuff yeah. beforehand? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, a situation like Darren Waller or Sterling Shepard is another really, really good example here because Sterling Shepard was a game time decision who was going to be like testing his hamstring in pregame warmups. So you, you have to consider that if somebody has to test their hamstring in pregame, they're probably not a hundred percent. They've gone through the entire week questionable, or maybe they get downgraded or something on Friday because of a tweak. Um, you, you can't really say, oh, well, he's going to be 100% unless the coaching staff says he's 100% and ready to go. But at that point, like he's probably not testing himself three games. So it, you have to kind of handicap people. The Darren Waller situation, um, I thought that he wasn't going to play. And if if he was going to play, I wouldn't have projected him for a 100% workload. He probably only would have been like 80 to 85% or something like that. But you have to be careful with that because um, – the drugs that they have for the NFL are good. And like, sometimes these guys will go from questionable to breaking out for 150 yards or something. Well, like look at that. AJ Brown. He got, I, he got some digestive issues at Chipotle. And that was I know. a problem. Yep. And, and then he ends up with 140 yards. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you want to, you want to make those changes and it really does depend. A lot of the time it depends on how big of a player is for a team for me. So Sterling Shepard, if he would have played and, and, like been cleared after his pregame warmup, you still have to limit him because he's the only thing on that team. Like you're, you're telling me you didn't have Dante Pettis for 21 point median. I did not. Where did I have Dante Pettis? You probably had him over, probably had him high enough. Yeah. High enough. Um, no, I, uh, I think Sterling Shepard, a situation like that, where it's a really, really important player. You have to be a little bit more, uh, you have to be a little bit more worried about situations like that. If it's somebody who's like a wide receiver two or like a tight end, that's not super involved, then you, you can project them for whatever, because that they're, they're so subject to variance that their workload isn't high enough to be affected by an injury. So it depends on the player. It, it's more prescient in NBA than it is in NFL though, for sure. Dante Pettis, I got 8.59. I had 10. So, okay. so a lot of bad, but See, those are the types of things I can't say, oh, oh I'm like, okay. You got no, yeah, you a higher can, you little yell at me for that one. Right, a higher target share or something. Well, what did you have Rashad Bateman at? Uh, let's see. It's pretty – I think I was low on Bateman. I, I have him at just under 10. Oh, yeah, I was way low on him. I have him at four. Oh, but that's wrong also. Well, no, I mean – What did you, you give his target share to Duvernay? 
No, I just have Baltimore as a super, super run heavy team. So a lot of like the projection is going to come from touchdowns and it's going to come from, I don't know. I, I think that his target share, even though you could say that he had a high target share from that one game sample, I don't want to take that one game sample and say, this is what he's going to be. Um, well, so it, depends, it, de- it depends, James. A lot, a lot of people just said that, you know, oh, it's Rashad Bateman, essentially Sammy Watkins. Right. No. That and I, right, that. That, that's the thing I didn't agree with, but I didn't go as so far as to think that his median would be four, but I knew yeah. that his range of outcomes would be much, his floor would be much lower than people realize. Now yeah, he had, had a good his... game. He had three for 80. Yeah. So he got 11 points and he made value for 3,400. That if you played him, I no problem. I mean, I didn't, Yeah. but I'm not, I'm not, I mean, in cash games, he was 50 plus percent, uh, but in GPPs, I X him out. Cause it's like, I, I don't see how he burns. I don't, I don't see how he kills me. I, I yeah. just, I don't, I think the floor is low. I think he's only going to make, that's his line. That's to me, that was his ceiling line. It, that's it's a touchdown three plus eight for 80 and a touchdown would have yeah. been his ceiling. And it's like, do I, am I going to need this? And so and, my ceiling projection for him was actually 11.2, which is what he scored with that three for 80. And it's like, you could say that, that three for 80 turns into a touchdown and he gets that, but I thought the touchdown was way outside of his range of outcomes. And that's where the difference in this projection is. I didn't think that he had a, even like, a, I think I had him for less than 5% of the total touchdowns thrown for Baltimore or something like that. And that's really going to hurt his projection when I have Baltimore projected for less than one total passing touchdowns anyway. So that's probably where that comes from. But I'm saying, I'm not going to play a chalky cheap guy that no. I believe his floor is actually much lower and his ceiling is lower than people think people his are playing was literally zero. Right. But people are playing him to jam other guys in not right. because like, I think the balance builds made more sense. I was, I mean, turns out yesterday, if you were to, if you were to, to stack all three Patriots running backs, you would have won all the money. Just, so dumb. Just if you were to stack Damian Harris, Brandon Bolden and JJ Taylor, who had two touchdowns like that's why i said like if anyone has that lineup and they win like they are a time lord like this that's like this you're living in a simulation at that point but the winning lineup in the millie maker that's that's what it was uh not not uh, damien harris the winning lineup in the millie maker is perfectly 100 reasonable and oh yeah a that's a good that lineup i could have easily seen myself making had had i had uh damien harris which if I was playing large field, I probably would have. Yeah. Small field, I wasn't playing him. Uh, Matthew, it's a three plus one. Matthew Stafford plus Cooper Cup plus Van Jefferson. Yep. Running it back with DeAndre Swift. And then you plug in Damian Harris, Terry McLaurin, Chris Godwin, all. I mean, yep. Chris Godwin was the top like 25% on wide receiver. No one's questioning that. You play Foster Moreau. Right, you got there the, at two percent ownership. Yep, eighteen points. You play the Bucks defense over the Cardinals, and the Bucks had twenty-one fantasy points at two point eight percent ownership. And there you go. Terry, Terry McLaurin was low on, and DeAndre Swift was only seven percent owned in the Millie. I thought he would be way higher. Yeah, I had him project be, for like seventeen or something. Right, same for me. So like in this, and Damian Harris for twelve. When I I would have I would end up playing more Damian Harris, thinking that he would be five to eight percent owned. And then I would have been shocked that he's 12. Uh, but this, I mean, this zeroes out. It's a, I mean, what more can you ask for? This lineup looks like something that you could absolutely, you could hand build. I wonder I mean, if that was good. a late swap. 
well, where would the late swap would have been? What what would have been in Foster Moreau's slot? Maybe Cole Cole Komet? Well, no, I'm I'm thinking like maybe it was Robert Woods and uh Darren Waller. Or maybe it was the Cardinals here. Because or this it was line, Cardinals, this, yeah. This lineup after the 1 p.m. games would have had Harris and McLaurin. Yeah. And that looks good. If you have Harris and McLaurin, like basically the four guys that went off in the early games were Harris, McLaurin, Brown, and Chase. Yep. So if you had at least two of them, you would have shot, you would have shot. Yep. At at taking down GPPs. If you had if you had all four of them, like you're you're doing you're absurdly great, but most likely you don't have all four of them. But he, all you needed was two because then you get Cooper. You needed Cooper Cup. You needed you pretty much needed Chris Godwin or Evans, mm-hmm. someone like that. You needed at least the Cardinals defense. You needed at least a Giants defense. You know, something double digit defense scorer. And you and all you needed if you got look, you got fifty six points out of running back on a slate where. If you got 20 points out of both yeah. running back slots combined, you were you were actually above average. Yeah. Especially in the afternoon slate. Afternoon slate, like running backs were just going down. Sanders, Jacobs, Henderson was hurt for a little bit. I mean, like, just like, damn. I was so sad about Cordero Patterson for a little while because I, I really liked Cordero Patterson, and he only scored 12. It's like, oh, man, that sucks. And I had some – That was better than anything it. else. Devontae Freeman only scored 12, and I was like, oh, man, that sucks. And then – it didn't matter. <laughs> Look at this discrepancy. It's the biggest discrepancy on the slate yesterday. In the Wildcat, Cordell Patterson on, on, on FanDuel. Let me go. In the Wildcat, he was yeah. 6.4%, 7%, 7% owned. 6% owned. Yeah. What do you think he was owned in the play action? Probably like 22? 20.64. Yeah. 17.8 in the Millie. Yeah, Coronel Patterson at sixty three hundred, and yeah. I mean, I'm saying that he scored fourteen point one points and beat most fine. of the other running backs that you could play yeah. anyway. <laughs> I don't know what he was on on Fanduel. In Fanduel, was eight thousand. I, I would love to see it. Does anyone know what the Fanduel ownership was? Because that's going to be a laugh. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what that. We don't have the CSVs for that, right? But we could take a look through. This is what I like doing. I like looking at the Wildcat, the slant, the Millie, the play action, and just seeing the ownership differences from the higher stakes to the lower stakes. Mm-hmm. Typically, the Wildcat has, has sharper players. We could compare that I sort by here. Like Miles Sanders, 24% owned in the Wildcat, 9% in the play action. He projected well, depending. I, I don't know what you did with Miles Sanders, because obviously you had – the Eagles for a million points. Uh, Miles Sanders, in all the projections I saw around the industry, projected well, but I, I think his median was was correct. I th- I thought his range of outcomes was insanely wide. I think people were taking the past two weeks, yeah, with limited gain well work, and go well. It could be that. Or it could not, or it could be that he only sees sees ten touches. Like yeah. it could be his touch count could be anywhere from like seven to mm-hmm. twenty two, and people are just like, okay, I'm just going to cut it through the middle and put like fourteen, and then at fifty one hundred for Philadelphia's offense, that makes him you know come in that 14, 15 point range from a median perspective, and then he that now he projects well. So yeah. I don't know what you did with Sanders, but 
I mean, Sanders showed up in some in some cash optimals for me, and I just XML because it's like I I I know his distribution is, is way. I can't go by this medium because yeah, it's the same thing with Bateman. Like it's the same type of attitude with Bateman of we don't know much. Uh, so this this guy could have zero floor, and I thought Sanders he could easily just go back to being a pumpkin and mm-hmm. having eight touches, and hopefully he's efficient on those eight touches for fifty one hundred. It's like, why do I have to deal with that when there are other options that I could play? I had a, I had him for a median of ten touches. So, so you around, have a low side around there, yeah. I'm well, you, side, you gave all the touches to Quez Watkins. That's right, right. <laughs> but project for thirteen fantasy points. I wasn't that far away on Sanders from the median for the industry. Um, but yeah, situations like that, man. I don't know why people subject themselves to to committee running backs in, in cash. I don't. I, I mean, even in GPPs, like I understand the appeal of doing it with somebody like Miles Sanders or with even Jonathan Taylor. Like, I, I don't even really like Jonathan Taylor all that much most of the time because he has to be ultra efficient on the opportunities that he gets. Otherwise, like, what what is his actual like floor? What is Jonathan Taylor's floor if he only gets ten touches in a game, which is not crazy? For well, he Jonathan. only got fourteen touches in a game last week. That he scored a billion points because right. he's I know. yard run or whatever. I, I, I think I think it's not the committee, it's the running back by committee type of situations. It's when it's when they're chalky. It's 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 yes. It's, I don't right. mind taking a shot on on that type of running back when they're four percent owned, five percent owned, not yeah. when they're twenty percent owned. I mean, then they're just like I hope you know, like Swift also. Swift gets there in garbage time a lot also. Mm-hmm. I go, I mean, Jamal Williams still gets like half the work. So like, well, but it's fair to say like DeAndre Swift is getting like eight, nine targets a game. He's getting, he's getting yeah, because the eight, Lions are down all the time. Right. But it doesn't matter because like, in your, if you're still projecting that he's a wide receiver with rushing upside. That's you know? true. That, and that's, no, I, I had him up there. I had him fifth uh, from a, from a, from a salary adjusted value perspective. It was fifth. Yeah, so, I, mean, I, I had him way up there as well. And, and like Miles Sanders, that's kind of the thing with Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is not getting seven to nine targets a game. You know, I, those are the kind of situations I don't mind. That's why I didn't mind Cordero Patterson yesterday. It's like Patterson is still getting massive amounts of the receiving work for that team, or at least he was. Uh, so like putting him up there because of that receiving work, I don't mind doing that. It's when these wide, it's when these running backs that are on a team where they're not getting – 85% of the rushing work and they're not getting 10 plus percent of the market share of, of targets. Like I don't like taking shots on those guys. I think they have really, their, their ranges of outcomes are exceptionally wide. Like you said about Miles Sanders. And I think their floors are way worse than people want to admit. And their, their ceilings really are tied to being ultra efficient, which I don't like projecting out. Uh, David D Maria in YouTube chat says, on FanDuel's uh, Cordell Patterson in the Millie on FanDuel was 17.1%. Oh my God, an 8K? Right. But and he, he, people played him over Daryl Henderson and, and did better than Daryl Henderson. Right? I mean, uh, it's kind of like we're saying, oh my God, 17% of people played an 8K Cordell Patterson on FanDuel. But well, he, yeah, and then I'm sitting here. With he scored Darryl as Henderson. many points as uh, more points than most <laughs> running backs. Right. I had, man, it was such a weird day. And I, I went into building and I was building out and I really wanted, before I had that Philadelphia stack, it was a, I think that that one was, it was either a Chiefs or a Ram stack. Like it was an expensive stack. 
And yeah, what's up with the the Chiefs? I didn't bother playing. Okay, I didn't play Chief stacks at all, but I still had in my seventeen lineups some Daryl Williams, sure, and some Tyree Kill, sure. I thought Mahomes stacks are more likely to have Kelsey than have yes. Hill in it. Absolutely, and Hill obviously has the has a fifty point ceiling in and of itself, and also. I wanted to save my tight end spot for the Moreau swap if needed. Sure. So, I mean, obviously the Chiefs just didn't, I mean, did nothing. Uh, I I just saw from a price perspective that like playing Mahomes stacks on DraftKings, at least, like it just led you to the same, like it just led you to the same places. I couldn't. They're too expensive. They're too, too expensive. I, I mean, unless you have, Unless it's a week where we have some legitimate good value, like but even then you'd still be duped. I mean, you're still you're still creating similar line of constructions, but like right. But I think that you can still like you can justify having it in like smaller fields. Mm -hmm. I think you can justify doing it in smaller fields. I I didn't even think of using like I, I I tried once when I was like writing up my article for the slate, I was like, Oh, well, let's see what it takes to build a Kansas city lineup. And you just, you got onto like Rashad Bateman and you got onto like these running backs that were ultra questionable. You know, you're in the five K range at running backs. You can't do anything with your lineup. And I mean, why would I do that? I had two projected for like 24 fantasy points. Why am I going to play Patrick Mahomes? Right. I, I, I ran lineups, uh, uh, in the more on Sunday morning, yeah, this is before inactives, uh, and my top, and just running just bare basic stacks, bare basic lineup yeah. constructions. I had Stafford with a one fifty two total median. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the whole lineup, yeah. yeah. Uh, Stafford stacks with one fifty two, Tua one forty nine, Carr one forty eight, Brady one forty seven, Mahomes one forty three. What? Yeah. You, so you the could, whole, like it's not it's not that it wasn't like I don't like Mahomes I didn't like Kelsey I didn't like Hill just that based on the project based on the their proje their projections were higher from a raw points perspective but not worth the salary enough that it it hampered the rest of your lineup enough from a median perspective right uh, that you could have played it for ceiling obviously but I I thought that people were going to be trying to play that game I thought that game would be over owned. I did. As I well. thought it wouldn't be high, high owned. Some people were thinking that there was going to be insane ownership on that game. I thought, I thought, I thought it wouldn't be insane, but it still would be over owned. I thought Stafford would be the higher owned. Would the, those stacks would be higher owned. Uh, so that's why I was playing a lot more of uh, like like Brady, mm -hmm. Brady, Carr, Tua, like that type of. So I think I played three Stafford lineups. But if I had to cut any of those four, I would have cut out Stafford. Sure. Just just from just from an ownership perspective, even though he was the highest projected stack. But I mean, everyone knew he's the highest projected stack and there aren't aren't so many stacking partners with them. That's right. why being cute and doing, you know, playing cup and woods, playing woods and Higby, playing cup and Van Jefferson, like doing stuff like that, like made more sense with Stafford lineups than just play Stafford cup single. You know, DeAndre Swift was the obvious kind of run back. Yeah. It's like, I'm not getting different. And like, then, then, then I got to get different in the rest of my lineups. I was more inclined to like in my car and my tool lineups, like dude, jam Godwin and Henderson in those lineups. And like, I don't have to worry about that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And 
when, when you're building these out, especially for the medians, like the chiefs, the chiefs make sense on certain slates. They didn't make sense on this slate. Even if they projected well, of course, Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey are going to project for like a median of 70-something fantasy points by themselves. Sure, but you can't fill it out unless you have cheap running backs or really cheap wide receivers or like they're going up against a team that has a really cheap starting option or something. It just – it didn't make sense on this slate. I didn't think so. And uh, regarding- It didn't make sense with the numbers to me. I, if you want – if you you could play those types of lineups. I mean, you got slightly lower ownership. It just – it led you to Rashad Bateman. It, le- it led you to T. Higgins. It led you to, it, I mean, I'd go look at this, this, this ownership here. Go to the Wildcat ownership. Go up and down. Okay. I mean, it led you to, uh, you probably played a cheap defense or you played uh, like Rashad Bateman, Nicole Hart, right? Nicole Hardman is 15% owned, which is silly because that's what people are going to have to do to make cheap stacks. They're going to go Mahomes. Um, Hardman, Kelsey. I mean, if we take a look at the Chiefs right here, uh, let's go quarterback. Mahomes. Mahomes was the in the Wildcat. I mean, across the board, Mahomes was the highest owned quarterback. That's weird, right? I mean, Stafford was a little higher on average, only because he was more owned in the slant and the play action. But Mahomes in the Wildcat was the most owned quarterback. You go to running back, Daryl Williams. 18, 18, 14, 14. Okay. He's up there. He's in the top five owned running backs. We go to tight ends. Kelsey wasn't the highest owned tight end. He was the fourth highest owned tight end. Gazicki Goddard, Seals Jones, and uh, was above him because people had to pay down in order to get stuff. Yep. And then we look at wide receiver Tyreek Hill, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Hardman was the seventh highest owned <laughs> wide receiver and Hill was the eighth highest owned wide receiver. So it's like, actually it's weird to say the chiefs were better plays in, in the large field contests. Cause I think was, the, the chiefs individual plays were better. Right. But take a look at the uh, Hardman was owned similarly across the board, no matter what contest you were in from a, a large, from a, a multi-entry GPP perspective. Hill, however, Hill was 15% of the Wildcat, but only 8% in the play action. Yeah. Right. But that's what I thought. I mean, that's what I'm, I was projecting, but I think a lot of, I think I did what a lot of people did like, Oh, I'm going to play Tyreek Hill as a one-off because people are playing Adams and cup. And I think a higher, a a sharper player thinks that way. And then Hill ends up being 15% right? Right. Right. So now that even the, I had Hill in like two of two of my 17 lineups, had I known that Tyreek Hill would be 15% owned while Cooper Cup would only be 22% yeah. owned, mm-hmm. I would have just played Cooper Cup and ever. I just like Cooper Cup should be 9,500 here. Why? Like Cooper Cup. I mean, when, when the Cooper Cup projection came out originally on the Blitz and I saw he was higher than Adams, my first, my, I mean, my number one thought was, Printing money in 2019, yeah. playing nine thousand dollar Michael Thomas instead of Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. like literally in like people are like, oh, you got to jam in McCaffrey into a running back slot. It's like, no, I'm going to save money by playing Michael Thomas when he's two thousand underpriced. Yeah, yeah, right. But he's nine thousand. I know, and he's two thousand underpriced. Like the dude, dude's median is is twenty eight points as a receiver. He's going to go fourteen. 
for he's gonna 14 for 120 like every goddamn game <laughs> right good luck i can fill my running back slots with, with 5k and 6k guys yeah but you're not gonna find a receiver that's just gonna give you 30 points just like just every week no problem and i think cooper cup is more like that well i mean that's what we had with Devontae adams last year Devontae adams was like a walking 30 fantasy points not necessarily, not as much as you think, but yes, he was the, he was the, he was, he, the, he was, the, he was, you plug him in at, at when he's 7,800, you go, yeah, just not, don't even think about it. Yeah. You just move on. Right. And they were using him as a, as a, as a goal line, you know, like what they're using cup with Yeah. now also, but the thing is that the, the Packers offense is different than the Rams offense, just like the <laughs> saints offense, like the saints were a more pass heavy offense. Yeah. The Rams are a more pass-heavy offense, and the and the Packers, if they're up by a touchdown, they're more like they're more likely to lean 65-35 run, 70-30 run. Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't have that killer instinct anymore, man. Doesn't have he it. Doesn't. He won the MVP last year, and then he he went vegan this year. But Tom Brady, on the other hand, Tom Brady just is out for <laughs> Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady is going to is just going to break the single season records this year. Yeah, they they, they give no crap. I mean, like just like you no, know I'm, why I'm he's going to do it. Four hundred and five every game. You want to know why why he's going to do it? Because he can. Right. Because whatever. Like he's forty four years old, and you still look at him and go, "This he could win MVP this season." I swear, this offseason, he just like when he was talking to uh, he was talking to Giselle. Right. They're they're having their. Uh, their avocado and like grape leaf salad or whatever they have for dinner. Uh, and, and they're talking and he's like, you know, Giselle, I'm bored. I think I'm just going to break every record that a quarterback has ever set next year. And then Giselle said, okay, that's sweet, honey. Here's a hundred dollars. Go to the store and buy something because Giselle makes all the money. But uh, like, I don't know how, I don't know. I don't know how this keeps going. I don't know where the ceiling is. Like where does it end? Where where does oh, look Tom at Brady... look at it? I mean, could, could look at who Brady. I mean, Brady's never had a more talented team. He's no, won, he's won all those Super Bowls. Yet he's now he's when everyone's healthy, he gets to drop back and choose between Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, or Rob Gronkowski. Right. Like and and, and Antonio Brown is the third option, right? or or the backup to Rob Gronkowski is an equally athletically freaky OJ Howard. Yeah, but it's that. I mean, in comparison to his historically, right? But OJ Howard, if you put OJ Howard on the Patriots, Patriots he would have been ago, Rob Bankowski, right? So it's 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 crazy. Julian it's crazy. Edelman wouldn't even make the Bucks team. He'd be he Tyler wouldn't. Johnson. He'd be Tyler no. Johnson. <laughs> Can you imagine if Chris Hogan even wanted to be on the Bucks? They'd laugh at him. They even have better running backs, right? <laughs> Lenny Fournette is probably better than like Garrett Blount ever was, right? Wait, my God, it, it's insane, man. He's going to, yesterday he had what, three, did he have three touchdown passes in the first quarter? Or was it, it two? first quarter, I think. No, no, Fournette, no, Fournette had one. Oh yeah, that's right. He had then, two, two. Yeah. And then like at halftime, at halftime, we're sitting there and they're in the Discord, and I'm like, man, well, I got to sweat, but I got to hope that they at least play the third, you know, because they, Tom Brady could very well just go out there for one for one more series, throw another touchdown to Mike Evans, and then be like, yeah, all right, well, I'll just put him in the backup. Yeah, but I mean, he had no, he had to come back out. Fields had three interceptions and two fumbles. <laughs> I mean, they were just constantly just giving it back up to the Buccaneer, just here you go. 
Here's a short field again. There you go. Here you go. Blah, blah. Eat right? it. Also, fire Matt Nagy. Okay. So uh, hit the thumbs up buttons on your way out, out the door. This is what we do on Mondays. We review yesterday's slate with uh, James McCool. We talk about concepts from the theory of daily fantasy sports. Me and James McCool. 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. How to think like a professional DFS player. All these concepts, game theory-wise, it applies to any, any sport. So we've got chapters like game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploit, psychology, a whole bunch of miscellaneous stuff. All right, you go check it out. Pick it up at theoryofdfs.com. Uh, James, paydirt underscore DFS on Twitter. Yes, Peter underscore DFS on Twitter and PeterDFS.com for uh, for all the projections for all the sports. And uh, I'll be I'll be on later tonight. Um, I'll be on the, the showdown show for Monday night football. So uh, hit that notification bell to know when we go live. That's uh, that's at 7, 7.30 Eastern, 7.40 Eastern. We got uh, NBA Crunch Time, NBA Grinders Live on the channel. We got, uh, you know, obviously premium content and everything. If you sign up to Roto Grinders Premium, get $10 off your first month by clicking on the link in the description. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, answering your DFS strategy questions as usual every weekday on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.